0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Often when we consider becoming involved in property investing, we might think about it's all about just two main things. Properties Properties themselves, obviously, and indeed money or finances. And as much as it is about these things, there is another aspect to this business that we simply cannot overlook, and that is people. I go as far as to say that people in and around our property business can make or break it. So in today's show, we consider where people are likely to play a part and also consider some of the implications of this for our property investment business. Later, I will also share some stats on our listener numbers and express my sincere gratitude for you and the great many many people like you that choose to tune in and listen to my ramblings each and every week. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Finally, news of a short break in the schedule. I I haven't actually taken one, I think, since I started the podcast, but uh, as I look forward to take a a bit of a break from the recording before returning with a bang with Series 3 on Creative Financing Property in a few weeks' time. Lots to cover then, so off we go. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Property is actually a people business. And people can make or break our business too. these people involved in our rental property business in particular, which is what I'll talk about in today's show, uh, typically fall into a number of general categories, Uh, tenants and guests, obviously business advisors, professionals and agents, trades and suppliers, staff and contractors and owners and other equity business partners. So let's look at each one in turn and consider some of the people issues that we might need to be aware of and take into consideration. Starting with tenants and guests then. First and foremost, tenants in long-term rental property or guests in short-stay rental property are customers. However, given that we use terms such as tenant, we sometimes forget this fact and as a result can adopt something of a false picture of the relationship instead. The terms landlord and tenant does suggest that there exists a a balance of power, perhaps in favour of the Lord, particularly from a a historical perspective. Whilst to some extent this is true, uh, for example, we can serve notice on a tenant and ask them to leave our property. However, the reality of the situation under the modern day law has redressed the apparent imbalance of power quite a lot since the old Roman manorial system, and in particular, the British feudal system, which saw such terms come into use. For example, we need the permission of a court before a tenant can be legally evicted from our property. And I recently saw a case where this has taken a full year to conclude, which does not sound like being a very powerful position uh, to be in from my point of view. In other cases, whilst we may have a tenancy agreement or similar with a short stay guest, the reality is that we may be open to issues of non-payment, a breach of the terms such as having pets without permission, say or in some extreme cases damage to our property that we cannot recover through a deposit. So if we know these things or risks to be true, then we should ensure that we think about two main points when it comes to selecting someone to live in one of our properties. And the first thing to consider is that tenants are in fact customers to our business. And this means attracting the good tenants that are likely to pay our rent on time, stick to the terms of the agreement and indeed look after the property as well. This is therefore a customer attraction task, or in other words, marketing. Therefore it should follow that we need to present our product to our customer in the best possible light in order to attract those better tenants or customers that do in fact have a choice. The second thing to consider is that bad tenants have legal protection that could cost us both time and money to overcome. Avoiding the bad tenants, which are likely to do the exact opposite to the good tenants we've just described, is probably a wise thing to do then. And this is therefore a customer qualification and selection task in reality. How do we do this? Well, once we've got the good marketing in place to attract these customers, these tenants, We need a filtering system that helps helps us to avoid as much as the downside risk as possible. Some good practices include gathering full information on a tenant in the form of an application. And this should capture their current address and, and their previous landlord where applicable, but also their former addresses and landlords for the past three years. Their employment and earnings details, their credit worthiness, their income and expenditure, and ability to afford the rent payments, their nationality and right to remain in the UK, and if possible, their next of-kin and/or a guarantor uh, details to assist in tracing them later if required. We should confirm this information to be true and accurate, often by using a referencing service, a specialist referencing services uh, sorry service. In addition, we may choose to visit them in their current home to see what it looks like and how they live in the current environment, or at least to meet them in person to verify they are who they say they are. Then, after they've gone into the property, regular property inspections should help to flush out any potential problems that could arise sooner rather than later. I'd suggest the first visit is done quite soon after moving in and then periodically after that according to uh, our assessment, if you like, of the risks involved of uh, leaving the gap too long. And finally, uh, we should consider some financial protection in the form of deposits and indeed insurance, which can be a a must given the potential costs and damage, non-payments of rent and strung out eviction processes that we may need to encounter. The second area really that we need to think about from a people perspective is regard to business advisors, professionals and agents. We can start to rent out property with a fairly simple set of advisors, uh, professionals and agents around us. Initially, in fact, we may only need a legal conveyancer to help us through the legal process of buying a property, as we may decide to self-manage that property. Although in the current climate of regulation and compliance, we must ensure that we fully understand our responsibilities here. Lots of resources exist, indeed on our website and in other places, but my recommendation would be to become accredited with one of the major landlord associations to get up to speed and get that support. Beyond the basic approach um, of you know, starting out, other third par- parties that we may need to engage with to support us in our property, property rental business include solicitors, not just a simple conveyancer to offer, you know, but they can offer more in-depth advice on property issues and risks. Accountants and tax advisors to guide us on the best way to structure our affairs. Mortgage brokers to get the most appropriate deal for us when we use finance to help us acquire a property. And letting agents to potentially transfer the tasks if not the liability of letting out property to a specialist. There could be others, of course, as we grow, however, selecting the right people to work with us can can either help or hinder us, as these following examples will perhaps illustrate. Let's start with looking at a solicitor. and I recently heard of a property buyer who um, managed to buy a property where some garages were built in the ground. It was a semi-commercial premises. But these carriages were built without the required planning permissions in place. And indeed, they were built in the last few years. So your mind might be ticking as to how they could get out of this, uh, but there is no get out. And and that now leaves the new owner open to some additional risks and potentially costs. They would have to apply for retrospective planning permission, could be de- you know de- uh, declined, of course, uh, which would mean them having to pull down the garages and making good the, the site. And that was not that was not picked up during the conveyancing process. Conversely, a good solicitor can help to complete a deal quickly, which is very useful in a competitive situation where speed is important to the buyer, for example. Next, um, accountant. (laughs) Another story really here. I I heard of an accountant recently advising their client that the second home stamp duty premium would not apply to them when they convert their existing home to a buy-to-let and then uh, look to buy a new home to live in this is incorrect advice and it would cause that client to incur a 3% premium on the stamp duty on the second purchase of what would be their home uh, which they were ignorant of and therefore weren't expecting bit of a nasty shock in other words but on the other hand having the correct legal status from the outset can save literally thousands of pounds in income tax or equivalent and indeed inheritance tax in particular as for a mortgage broker some mortgage brokers still believe that the so- so-called six-month rule is an unavoidable rule that cannot be overcome and this is simply not true and uh, a refinance or even under the right conditions a sale within six months is entirely possible for example if the new buyer and his sale situation is paying cash cash rather or in either scenario of refinance or a sale the buyer is using a commercial mortgage those uh, the six-month rule often doesn't apply doesn't apply to all lenders in other words Equally, some brokers are specialist in their field, and so if you have a commercial loan or a short term bridging requirement or a conventional buy to let requirement, there may be a specialist broker best placed to look after your interests here. And personally, I have several broker contacts for this particular reason, this very reason. Letting agents. I could say quite a lot here, but a good letting agent is worth their weight in gold and can save hours of painstaking time on nitty-gritty issues in managing a property. However, the, also, the opposite can also be the case. I've had agents advise me on my legal requirements, helping me to avoid potential risks and recourse, and that's been you know, very valuable to me. But on the other hand, I've also had a letting agent fail to properly protect a tenant deposit, which left me in a very exposed position legally. In conclusion then, it's a good idea to have a suitable team in place and one that can evolve over time as our business evolves and matures as well. And remember that decent advisors will command decent fees as well. So don't expect a premium service from a cheap service provider either, I think is the the final point there. The next category is trades and suppliers. And whether for refurbishment works pre-let or maintenance and repairs work post-let, either way we'll need a collection of reliable tradespeople to support our property business. Finding good good, good tradespeople that are both trustworthy and available at the time we need them can be a tricky business, however. And this is one reason why concentrating our portfolio in a specific region can actually yield dividends. An alternative is to seek referrals and recommendations from local letting agents, landlord associations, and indeed fellow investors. Just to illustrate their importance, I've had electricians certify a property as having a full rewire, fully tested, uh, when in fact the uh, sections of the property were completely missed off, Um, out of date and unsafe practices were adopted by them in how they went about their work, and in fact they were no longer registered with the trade body at the time the certificate was issued. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in any property uh, this would be a potential problem but especially in an HMO uh, where, where this particular uh, issue arose this could have left me dealing with a very uh, serious or potentially serious accident and even a prison sentence had things gone the wrong way for me fortunately I managed to avoid that by uh, putting my own checks in place and rectifying the situation later on but uh, yeah there's, uh, that's a bit of a long story so I won't dwell on it but uh, you can probably imagine Therefore always check on a supplier's trade uh, registrations and indeed their insurance, their their indemnity insurance as part of the the basic uh, due diligence is what I would suggest. Okay, so moving on, staff and contractors is the next category and probably by now you're getting the picture that we need to have have good people around us to help our business to both grow and develop. Success depends on getting the right people, of course, and as we grow as property investors, we may decide to take on additional support in-house, be that by directly employing people or by having contractors instead. Proper recruitment and legal procedures from the beginning, including application forms, interviews, short tests where appropriate, and indeed references are highly recommended practices for us to adopt, taking the, the business seriously in other words. There are now lots of ways that we can recruit people, many of them online and some even virtual. Tools and apps such as virtual assistant websites allow us to access highly educated staff from places like the Philippines and other other similar places where the cost of living and the cost of labor is much lower than it is in the UK for example. However, nothing replaces the best practices of getting involved in the process ourselves. Never underestimate the value of a gut feeling either as long as we can trust our gut that is. However I would say relying completely on our guts is potentially leaving us open to unnecessary exposure so it's a balancing act having the formal processes in place and obviously being involved but trusting our, our instincts and our gut, uh, our gut feelings and intuition as well. The final category I wanted to discuss in this section is about owners and equity business partners and this relates to, to us and indeed the others who have an equity interest in our business where that's applicable but let's start with the others first of all I will say this regardless of financial or other resources that a potential partner can bring to our property business it's it's their ethics and values that counts the most in my experience at least do they see, do they see the world in a similar way to us how would they react in various situations where a choice needs to be made between principle and money For example, consider these situations, releasing a tenant early from their lease or AST, ensuring that a property is maintained to a safe and comfortable standard, refusing to hold a distressed seller to ransom by threatening to withdraw from a sale without a further price reduction a day before completion. It's interesting to see how people, different people will react to those sorts of situations. In each of those, I've faced all of those situations, but you know, I think it's it's important to take the right approach. And therefore, if that, that's, that they're my values, I, I indeed want to work with people in my business who share those values. Otherwise, it could be a conflict. And of course, we could end up compromising our own values as a result of that. So these sorts of issues uh, are important considerations when working with someone else as an equity partner in our property business. And as for us, yes, we too are people, (laughs) and as such we're prone to many of the factors that I've touched on over the course of this discussion today. Are we committed to our business ourselves? Are we prepared to educate ourselves to ensure that we stay current and indeed compliant? Will we put in the hours required to maintain and grow our property business to meet our goals, and so on? There is much I could say about the personal development side of things. However, ultimately, we need to be good stewards of our business and indeed of ourselves if we're to realise the hope and promise that we set, set out for at the, uh, the onset. And this may mean taking a frank and honest inventory of ourselves to identify any gaps or shortages in certain areas and then to set about plugging these gaps one thing is for certain in achieving what i like to call our someday goal so it's the end game if you like what we're trying what we're striving for we'll probably need to be different people with different skills experience and knowledge by the time we get there as opposed to where we are when we start out so on that note that's that's about it for this week it's um it's it's an assessment of how essential a part uh, of a property business people will be to us, and I particularly wanted to leave this topic here for you, uh, perhaps to reflect upon and reevaluate how the people aspect of how your property business is performing. And this might start with you, of course, or indeed you may take a step back and consider that some other some other aspect of what I have spoken about today requires attention, or indeed change. As for me, I plan to take a few weeks off from the podcast in order to take a holiday uh, and enjoy the Olympics with family and friends. And uh, I'll be doing the same thing. I'll be reflecting on the business as I do this and indeed the people aspect of it as well. But as opposed to the podcast, uh, the next scheduled podcast that I'll release will be available on Wednesday the 24th of August. So it's a three week break for those of you who are tuning in every single week. There will also be uh, that will also rather be the signal for the start of the next series of the podcast, which is all about property finance and in particular creative financing and property. I've already lined up a good many uh, subject matter experts in their fields to join me in this series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with that you, with you very, very much indeed. <clears throat> I've already actually recorded many of those uh, sessions, so uh, I can promise you that it will start then. And it's, uh, it's, uh, there's some, a lot of great information that will come through with that. So that'll give you a bit of incentive to come back and join me on the 24th of August, I hope. In the meantime, I wanted to acknowledge and thank you for your commitment to the show. We've had over 50,000 downloads and are now averaging over 5,000 downloads each and every month. I know this podcast is it's more like a staple diet type of meal than a dinner and show type of experience. So I also understand that to achieve these sorts of numbers with this type of approach to content and format means that you are serious about your own property knowledge and personal development. Thank you for joining me each and every week and uh, please do come back in three weeks time when I get back after my jollies, won't you? Be great to see you back. I'm not disappearing for good. I'm just taking a bit of a break. But if you're lost for something to do over the next few weeks, then I can certainly highly recommend a book for you to read in the meantime. The portrayal of the life of Warren Buffett is captured in a book called The Snowball and it's written by Alice Schroeder. And if you need an audio fix over the next three weeks, then you, can, you can't go too far wrong, but having a listen to this, I can tell you, is fascinating. Um, it's great to get the insights of how this man became a self-made billionaire, uh, starting from odd jobs and simple trading strategies from his childhood with literally nothing. So maybe check out, uh, check out that for some summertime reading in the meantime. <laughs> And finally, to stay engaged, by uh, by all means, drop me a note, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net with any ideas for the show or to share personal property questions, stories, or challenges. I'll still be around, even if not recording for the next few weeks. And if you, it would also be great, uh, great value to me, actually, if you could see your way to maybe trying to find a way to leave a review on iTunes. The glowing variety would be preferable. <laughs> But uh, that would be fantastic if you could find your way to iTunes. I know it's a bit of a it's a bit challenge sometimes to leave a review, but it really does help to help uh, grow the reach of the show uh, for other people just like you to, to help find it. So that would be that be something that I'd really appreciate over the next few weeks. I don't bang on about reviews too much, but uh, perhaps I can do that today. But for now, and in the famous words of Arnie, I'll be back. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining me on the show today. And until next time on the Property Voice Podcast...